Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. I'm not sure what episode it is, but I'll add that at the beginning. But I have here for you today, Cindy Burrell, and um, we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about divorce and remarriage and if it's okay and um, why people are stuck on this particular issue. I just want to tell you a little, a little bit about Cindy though, before we begin. Well, first of all, Cindy, <clears throat> hi, and welcome to the Flying Thank Podcast. You. I'm honored <laughs> to be here. Okay, Cindy is a survivor of a 20-year marriage to a verbal and emotional abuser, and she's also the co-owner of a web-based ministry to women in abusive relationships, and this her website is called hurtbylove.com. Since its creation in 2009, Hurt by Love has impacted the lives of tens of thousands of women in at least 42 countries. <clears throat> she has authored several books, which include Why Is He So Mean to Me? God is my witness, making a case for biblical divorce, an extraordinary, ordinary life, a testimony of God's faithfulness. And in addition to her books and outreach, Cindy has written an array of articles which are available from her website, which also serve to validate, educate, and empower abuse victims. She also provides one-on-one -on -one personal coaching on issues relating to abuse, both in person and by phone. So if you go to her website, there will be links there if you'd like to get in touch with her. She's also rated a platinum adept expert author on ezines.com. She retired, Cindy retired in 2014 after serving 32 years as a professional writer, editor, and legislative aide for various members of the California State Legislature. She is married to Douglas Burrell the mother of four adult children, and she resides in Oregon. So there you have it. I will make sure to put links to all of her stuff at the bottom of this podcast, but let's dig in. I want to say that um, we just did, Cindy was sweet enough to give her time to do a workshop that she has developed that teaches abuse victims and survivors, as well as people who want to help women who have been in abusive situations, to understand the whole divorce remarriage issue. Because this is really, really important. Because I know for many women who, are, who wake up and find themselves in emotionally abusive relationships, they, then they're stuck with wondering what to do about that. You know, they might try to you know, continue to work things out, but it's really, really difficult, as you know, to work things out and make things, uh, make things better when you're dealing with an emotional or spiritual abuser. Mm -hmm. um, and so then some of them will begin to start thinking along the lines of separation and then ultimately divorce. And, but is that okay? We are women of faith. We love Jesus with all of our hearts and we have spent our lives wanting and desiring to obey him to um, bring him honor and glory. And we're terrified that if we get divorced, that we're not going to do that. The other issue that, that is a real fear for people is that they are going to be rejected by their churches and by their friends that they are, you know, involved with in, in their religious circles, 
because divorce is seen as such a it's seen as you know the cardinal sin almost it's almost like you know you can do anything but if you get divorced then you're done your christian life is over that's kind of how it feels yeah so have you seen have you noticed that i mean you obviously you wrote a book about it why tell us a little bit about your own journey and how you came to um decide that this was important enough to be writing books about that's a loaded question. Um, <clears throat> in my journey, I, I went through all the same things that you describe. Um, the guilt and the shame. My People in my own family didn't support me when I separated from my abusive husband. People didn't want to even want to know what I was going through. They didn't even ask me. Um, people avoided me. It was probably one of the loneliest, probably the single loneliest season in my life. Um, and of course, before that time, before I dared to separate, my former husband actually told me, he said um, that uh, as long as I didn't catch him in the act of adultery, he could treat me any way he wanted and there was nothing I could do about it. So that was the way I lived for years. And, and yet at the same time, as you know, as a woman of faith, you go, well, I'm just going to be, I'm going to do all the, the right things. I'm going to be submissive. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be more gentle. I'm going to be more respectful. I'm going to, you know, give him whatever he wants. I'm going to um, be this godly woman. And surely one day he's going to wake up and thump himself on the forehead and say, wow, she's amazing. Why have, why am I so mean to her? And he's going to change his ways. And, um, but now I know, I understand that there are truly wicked men who claim to be believers there are clearly these are what jesus describes as wolves in sheep's clothing they know how to present themselves as a sheep to the public but these are wolves they know what they're doing their actions are deliberate um, the cruelty is a means of maintaining that power and that control over our lives. And so no matter how godly you are, no matter how submissive you are, no matter how gracious and loving and patient and prayerful you are, all of that gives him power. Mm -hmm. That was the painful truth in my existence. And then, then to be saddled with the, well, you can't divorce him. You just have to believe that God's going to heal your marriage. He wants to just to restore it, and he's going to in time if you're faithful. And then to watch my life and the lives of my kids just descend into this pit of insanity. And then to, to come out of it, to, to literally, the Holy Spirit told me to leave, finally. I knew he had been telling me for so long, something is wrong here, or something is seriously wrong here. And then I would dare to open up to my friends, as you probably did, and say, this is what's going on in my marriage. And they say, well, is he hitting you? And as soon as you say no, that's the end of the conversation. Oh, well, you just have to. You just, you need to figure it out. You need to, you know, and it's, it's um, that measure of denial and then being pushed back in by the people who claim to love me and claim to know God back into that relationship. And then I finally one day literally said, what should I do, Lord, in, in a desperate moment? And immediately, immediately the Spirit said to me, you must leave. I was like, thank you. And, um, and I left. Did that make it any easier? No. Um, 
and you know what it's like that it's just the beginning of a whole new open-ended chapter where there's fear and there's confusion there's uncertainty you don't know what your life is going to hold and talk about uh, it was a it was probably a point in my life where the lord was more profoundly present in terms of providing comfort and validation and that sense of surety that no matter what anybody else thought or told me i was walking in him Mm-hmm. But it's very lonely and it's very hard. And so much of it is grounded in our, mis- on our, on our inability to understand God's heart for marriage and for relationship. He does not condone abuse in marriage. You know, when we see how he describes marriage in Ephesians 5, there's no room for abuse there. As Christ loved the church, that's inconsistent. And, and what I tell people is that, you know, marriage was never designed to provide a haven for sin. Mm-hmm. For us to accommodate sin in his sacred institution for however many months or years is tragic. And we are, um, we are enabling sin and accommodating it. And we're teaching our children. We have children. They're watching us. Yep. And they will grow up to emulate us. That's the last thing I, you know, we wanted. And then again, you know, and I want you to know that my journey to studying divorce came because even after um, I, my divorce was final, Doug and I married. I remember we went to a church one day and the pastor was all happy to greet us and meet us. And, you know, we were new here, new there. And, and after, and when my husband mentioned our ministry, and then he mentioned that we had both been divorced. Suddenly the man's countenance literally changed. It, yeah, it was like, oop. And it felt like he couldn't extra, extricate himself from us fast enough. Wow. Yeah. I went home that afternoon and I cried. And I told Doug, I said, I don't understand. You know, I have absolute peace in the Lord. Why are we condemned? Why are we judged? And that was the moment that I was like, something is not adding up. This is does not add up in terms of God's heart. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I began to pray about it and, and said, it was I, I would find a little nugget in scripture and I and I would literally go to the Lord and go, okay, this must be the reason I'm free. This must, this must be it. And I would go and I would pray and say, Lord, is this why I'm free? And I'd hear the Spirit say, Nope, that's not it. Okay. This went on literally for like two years. I'm not kidding. And finally, and I remember one time I felt the Holy Spirit say, you're missing the point. But he wasn't more specific. And so like, okay, I'm missing the point. And one, I remember another time he said, go deeper, go deeper. And it was so amazing, Natalie, because one afternoon I was driving, which is sometime the Lord always speaks to me was just randomly driving and and it was like the spirit literally washed over me like a wave and i and the spirit said to me it's always been about one thing and i was like the one thing one thing and then i knew it was relationship yeah from the beginning of time until eternity god has always been about relationship and then the spirit said to me, you're free because I said so. Wow. 
See, that is incredible because, and you know, Satan, he wants us to believe the exact opposite, that, uh, that we are loved only if we are, you know, fulfill certain requirements or are a certain way. And of course, none of us can. And so we are always feeling like we don't measure up. And then he uses this kind of thing. Here we are in these relationships with a human being who's telling us the same message, really being used as a pawn of the enemy. Yes, yes. And then, and then we associate, and then we, we go to the Bible or to church and we're told that God feels the same way about us. Mm-hmm. What a tragic lie. This drives a wedge between women who need the love of Jesus Christ more than anything else. And it causes them to believe that that love is not there for them. Mm-hmm. And Christians should be the, the liaisons between God's love and human beings. And yet for some reason, you know, what you experienced with that person in that church, that person was not being a conduit of God's love. He was not being an ambassador of Jesus Christ in that moment at all. He was actually doing the exact opposite, mm-hmm. causing you to feel rejection and having to go back. And thank goodness you were grounded enough yourself in knowing that God loved you and you were listening to him and, you know, hearing from him mm-hmm. and, and he revealed that to you. And I think that you, that is, well, of course, because that was something that God said, that is you, that's the nail on the head is that is the love of Jesus Christ for the human race And if there is something that's not reflecting that love and that tenderness and compassion, regardless of where you're at in your life, then it's not of Christ. It's something Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I would, and I think that's, that's such a powerful point. And I think what we, our failure, if it, if I can call it that is to listen to other voices or even to listen to our own, to the enemy's voice. And I talk about other voices, meaning other people's voices and other spiritual voices, rather than really focusing on hearing the voice of God. Virtually every woman I've ever talked to and, or, or consulted with, is the first words out of their mouth are generally, I'm so confused. Yes. Confusion is not of God. So we always have to go back to where is the confusion coming from? Because it's either a lack of information or a lie. Yep. It's rarely a lack of information and it's almost always a lie. We're being lied to. And it's a lie. It's a lie mixed with truth. Yes. That's why it's so confusing. Yes. It's kind of embedded in the truth and you can't find it all the time. Right. So you have to peel away the layers and say, Lord, what is really true? And listen for above all to really focus on what is the heart of God and ask him, go to the, go to God and stop listening to all the other voices or the, or the guilt messages and go. And and now when I read scripture, I'll read something. I'll go, something doesn't feel right about that. And I won't know what it was. And I'll go searching for it. I'll pray about it. And the Lord will show me this is, this is my heart because he is, he is loving. He is gracious. He is, he, he is all about relationship. Yes. So we're the ones who tend to, like you mentioned, fall back on, on the, what we've been taught rather than who we know. 
Yeah, exactly. Go back to who we know and let him be the source of validation and encouragement and truth and empower us rather than living in that fog um, that just keeps, holds us captive. Yes. Okay. So Cindy just did, uh, for those of you who are listening, Cindy just did a workshop within the Flying Free membership group where she went into great, I think, did I mention this at the beginning, where she went into great detail about divorce and remarriage with lots of Bible verses. And she just, she systematically um, and strategically went through so that you could follow from the beginning to the very end and get it really clear in your mind. Um, what does the Bible actually teach? You know, because we want to know. We've been told the Bible teaches divorce is a no-no unless someone's committed adultery. And <clears throat> we've been told that, um, you know, so if you get divorced and then you're an adulterer the rest of your life if you get remarried. So under, the, under that teaching, both Cindy and I are in perpetual adultery being re- divorced and remarried. But is that the case? Do we, I mean, let's, so we need to know if that's really true or not. And this is where I mentioned the, um, you know, a little bit of lie mixed with the truth. Um, there, what's, what I've been learning is there's a whole new world opens up when you start looking at the fact that translations, Bible translations are not all equal. And that translators are human beings, they're fallible, they have bias, and they've taken a lot of, they've taken some of the words that are were in the original Greek and Hebrew, and they've translated those words, instead of literally translated them, they kind of made up their own words and mm-hmm. tried to make it more, um, maybe in some cases just tried to make it more understandable, but in other cases, it actually, when you change the words, it actually shifts the meaning of what is of the message that's actually being communicated. And that's what Cindy uncovered. And so, um, I'm sure you talk about this in your book. Um, the book that's called, I gotta look, uh, God is my witness making a case for biblical divorce. She talked about it in this workshop. Um, but talk, talk a little bit about that because people are going to want to know is, I mean, we don't, obviously we don't have time in this podcast to go into the details, but, um, is there hope for women who are married and they're, they're feeling like I, I can't get out of my relationship if I want to please God? Um, and why is that? You, you know, we're talking about the heart of God. We could, we could sort of see how, you know, let's say that I, well, I do have a daughter. Do you have any daughter? You have older children. Are any of your children daughters? Yes. Okay. Two daughters. daughters. Okay. So I have an 18-year-old daughter right now. If she ended up getting married, she's dating a really, really wonderful man. But if she ended up dating a guy who ended up abusing and she got married, let's say she got married when she's 20, not really knowing. She has no life experience. She makes kind of a dumb decision, gets married. Five years later, she's being emotionally abused. She's got two kids and she's being with, she's not able to contact me. She's, you know, she's being isolated. And yet... I would, I would say, because I love her, she should be set free from that relationship. But some people would say, well, it doesn't matter. God says, God, who we believe loves her even more than I do and cares about her future and cares about her, who she is as a human being, God says, nope, she's got to stay because she made this mistake when she walked down the aisle one day and said, I do to somebody, and now... She has to suffer and maybe even die of some, you know, 
disease or something because her immune system ends up getting shot because she's, I mean, you can just go all over, you know, all over the place with what con- the consequences of this kind of a marriage because she, she did that one day. That doesn't seem like love. And that was kind of the, the thing that I came to too, was this does not seem like who got, who I know God to be. Mm-hmm. So how did you, uh, is that who God is? I mean, is divorce okay? And right. can you get remarried? And Right. Well, again, it, it, the issue is again, very, the, the literal translation makes it so much clearer. Um, the first book I read on this subject was, is a little teeny tiny book. It's still available on Amazon. I checked called um, Divorce, the Gift of God's Love. And it's by, oh shoot, sorry, my phone's on. Um, Divorce, a Gift of God's Love. It's by uh, Pastor Walter Callison. And um, it's a teeny little book, but in it, he he um, exposed the language and the difference between divorce and putting away a spouse, which was cruelty. And he said that the first appearance of the word divorce um, was in a 1611 version of the Bible. It was only appeared in one location, and the rest of the time in the scriptures, it ref- the, the, the word that was meant put away was accurately translated putting away, because there is such a profound difference between sending away a, spy, a spouse without cause and without a writ, and lawful for a cause divorce. And he said, for whatever reason, after that, People, st- the, the, the interpreters began replacing the word put away with the word divorce. Mm-hmm. And my presumption is simply that um, that's what we could relate to in our culture. We don't mm-hmm. have a term for putting away in our language and in our culture. So that was convenient, but wholly inaccurate. Right. And that has what has, been, has kept us bound to a legalistic view of God's heart. And that is not who he is. If anything, I I like to say, we're talking about legalism as opposed to relationship. Right. God is not a legalist. He is a relationalist. Everything is about truth and mercy and justice and grace um, and you don't find those things in an abusive marriage. No, that's bondage. God gave us a marriage bond. It was never meant to be bondage. That's good. I like that. I know uh, one of the things that just opened my eyes was a couple of years ago. I did, uh, I decided I was only going to read the book of John, the gospel of John over and over and over till I read it about 20 times. <laughs> and I, every time I read it, you know, at first it was kind of like, okay, I've read, I used to read through the Bible every year. So I've read that book a million times already. Right. But I thought I'd heard that if you read a book over and over, uh, and just focus on one book at a time, the Holy Spirit will show you these new insights that you maybe never saw before. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that, that I saw during that time was the love of Jesus Christ for human beings, which is, brings us back to what you were saying earlier. Jesus loved people. He loved people. And he, when the law got in the way of, of, his, of serving and providing provision for people, the law went out the window 
and the love came yes. in. So, yes. you know, he say he heals the man's hand on the Sabbath. He picks grain for food on the Sabbath. Um, and that's when I realized, you know, it kind of you, it was really, it was the same message that he was giving to me that he gave to you. It was, I care about people. Mm-hmm. And if you are my daughter, yeah. that's your job. Your yeah. job is not to hound on the law and to, and to get people to obey the law. Your job is to love people and to serve people and to set them free. Right. And the law was designed to point people to God. Right, right. It was designed to, yes, at, some, at times to remind us of our frailty and our weakness and our, you know, fallibility. But it, it always is, was designed to draw us back to God. Look at the Ten Commandments. You know, it's like the intent was honor me first, put me first, and then and live lives that are respectful of other people that give them honor and, and, you know, no coveting, no lying, you know, no adultery, you know, it's like, yeah, it's basic stuff, but it's always, it's all of it is about how to relate to him, how to view him, putting him first Mm -hmm. and then loving people, like you said, and keeping people in toxic, ungodly, horrible, abusive marriages does not honor God. Mm-mm. It just, it, there's no way around that. I grieve when people say, well, I'm staying to honor God. And it's like, you know, I understand your desire, but you cannot choose for some this other person in, in the relationship. If anything, we need to allow wicked people to reap what they sow. Yeah. If they're ever going to change, we need to let them fall. Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit yeah. What kind of fruit is being grown in your household? Right. To be willing to look at that and say, that what, what is happening here does not glorify God. I had a woman write to me once and she or share with me that her son, her teenage son came to her and said, um, why are you staying with my father? And she said, because I believe God would be displeased with me if I left him. And her son said to her, I don't want to believe in a God that would make us live like this. Wow. That's amazing. And she left. Wow. She finally divorced her abuser because her son showed her that what, that that was not consistent with the heart of God. Right. Okay. So what do you, how would you answer someone then who, and I'm sure you went through this where they're okay with the idea of having their spouse reap what he's sowed, but they don't want to be the one that brings down the hammer of justice. So in other words, like I didn't want to separate from my husband because I didn't want to be the one to initiate. I wanted God to come down and, you know, do something to save me. You know, I didn't want to be the one that looked like the bad guy. And even when it came, so we were separated for a couple of years and then I finally, you know, then I had to file for divorce and take it a step further. And I, again, I did not want to do that. I was like, why God, why do I have to be the one to initiate this? Why can't he just walk away or why can't (laughs) someone else do it? You know, why do I have to do it? It kind of puts an extra burden on the survivor because not only does she then lose the marriage, she really doesn't 
necessarily want to lose being married or anything. And she doesn't want to be single and struggling to make ends meet and raising kids by herself. And, and she also kind of doesn't want everyone to hate her guts. Right. So, the answer to that is, <laughs> is that we have to be willing to stand on the truth as painful and, and, and as uncomfortable and, and the fact that other people may not understand doesn't matter because when we choose to remain, as long as we choose to remain and as, we, as long as we choose to defer those decisions to our abuser, he won't make them. When you're dealing with an abuser, all of that gives him power. Our faith, our belief system, our convictions and our determination to do the right thing actually give them power. Yep. So we have to reclaim that as uncomfortable as it is and say, well, I mean, honestly, my former husband would have never left me. He would have never divorced yep. me. He had a maid. He had a, he, he, he had a maid, you know, he had a servant, <laughs> he had a slave, he had a, you know, this submissive woman who with no backbone, why would he, why would he give that up? Right. He had it easy. You know, it wasn't pleasant for anybody, but he didn't care. So we have to be courageous. We have to be willing to be courageous and stand on the truth. And yeah, people judge me for that too. It's like, Cindy, you know, you did this. I, I had my own sister once a, year, a couple of years after I divorced my husband. We sat down for coffee. We were having coffee one day and I was sharing with her some of my history. And she was very strangely stoic. And then she said, I still don't see why you had to divorce me. And I was like, conversation over. But it was like, no, I can't afford to care what you think about me. Right. This is not about image. It's not about even about my reputation. This was about truth and yep. claiming my value, protecting my children, and reclaiming our lives. Mm -hmm. Saying we are not going to live in this godless sick insane environment any longer and i told my kids i said we're gonna break the cycle yeah it's gonna be work i have no idea what's coming i have no idea whether we'll be able to stay in our house i have no idea what my finances will look like i mean you know it's mm -hmm. it's a very hard journey was it worth it absolutely mm -hmm. I have, I have told you, I wouldn't have never regretted leaving or divorcing my abuser. My only regret was not doing it a whole lot sooner. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way. And I have heard that from many, many people. So, yeah. And unfortunately, it is the church and the religious ideas that we have that do keep us in for so long. So, because yeah. we're just holding out hope. Yes. Um, I, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to close it out. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. It's been so much fun getting to know you today. And um, for the rest of you who are listening or watching, um, I will put links to Cindy's website and to her um, books on, I'm assuming they're all on Amazon. Is that correct? That's Is correct. On Amazon? Okay. And she's got some excellent blog post articles. In fact, it was one of her most recent blog post articles that made me realize, oh, I got to get her on and introduce her to, uh, introduce you to her and introduce her to you. And, um, so she can talk about this subject. So she did a, a recent blog post on the whole idea of divorce. So you can check that out too. 
Um, so that's it. Thank you so much. And I hope the rest Thank of you guys you. have a great day and fly free. 